From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And for this edition, it's my high honor and privilege to have as my guest, Father Chris Alar of the uh, Congregation of Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, Father Alar, the Provincial Superior of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of Mercy Province. And our topic is suicide. Father Alar, Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you. It's always an honor to work with the military. I come from a military family. My father served in Da Nang and Vietnam, so my uncle was in World, both uncles in World War II. So uh, we're our blood runs deep um, in the service of our men and women in the country in this country. So thank you to all those who have served and are serving. So thank you. And I should uh, let our. Um listener know uh, what the connection is with you and the topic, uh, suicide. You, Father Alar, you, Father Alar, are a priest with the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. You wrote and produced the popular Divine Mercy 101 and Explaining the Faith DVD series. And you are the author of the best-selling book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and for You. And uh, so, uh, and that's uh, that book available on Amazon, by the way. It's uh, yeah, it's an unfortunate bestseller. Um, we, it's the one book that I've written that I wish was not selling so well, but we actually, it's in one sense a positive because we believe it's helping uh, many people understand, um, try to make a sense out of what seems to be senseless tragedies and. Um, when I wrote it, it was from the experience of my own grandmother taking her life. And um, at the time, I had an appointment to the U.S. Air Force Academy, and it just kind of threw everything. It was a few years after everything kind of changed. And this is a book that we wrote. I wrote with Brother Jason Lewis to try to help those who've experienced it and give some guidance, um, you know, in, 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 in dealing with these kind of tragedies, both prevention and postvention. Well, with your military background, you can uh, have a certain amount of sensi- sensitivity, I'm sure, for the high rate of suicide among veterans. The figures show yes. the suicide rate for veterans is 1.5 times higher than that of the general population. And female veterans... Uh, yeah, 2.5, right. Exactly. And then, of course, uh, you know, the, the largest... Uh, percentage of veterans committing suicide are uh, older veterans, age 55 or older. Father Alar, why do you think the uh, suicide rate is so much higher among the veteran population than it is in the general population? You know, I was always told that it was readjustment um, back into civilian life. Um, You know, when I, before I began my book, that was what I was always told. And that does hold, um, unfortunately, does hold some credence. That does hold some truth to it. But when you get into it, there are so many more factors uh, that I did some research. You know, like, for instance, um, you know, the access to firearms. Um, you know, this is our right as Americans. Uh, we will always defend that right. But with it comes three times more likely the rate because the access is so so much easier. Um our military culture is 
is demanding, you know, and sometimes the misperception that weakness is never tolerated can sometimes affect people mentally. Of course, the PTSD is always, um, uh, you know, a reason as well, you know. Um, and now one of the things that is coming out much more are, you know, the risk of divorce because you have sometimes longer deployments. And, you know, when a soldier is divorced, um, that sometimes puts that extra stress. And so there are so many more reasons that I learned in doing the research for my book than just, you know, the PTSD or the reintegration into society. Uh, one of the things I noticed in some of the military websites when I was doing my work was uh, this interesting fact that of all the statistics and um, questions that they ask soldiers that were facing this kind of struggle, um, the number one reason that was given um, to them, um, or by them, we should say, um, was was the fact of um, psychological. It wasn't so much physical demands. It was the stress uh, that they were over, you know, um, facing on an everyday basis. Um, and this is why that the soldiers that, that uh, uh, die by suicide is much greater than those that die by combat. And so it's really something that we have to we have to address and we have to help our men and women in the services. Yeah, the latest figures I've seen is 17 a day, 17 veterans a day kill themselves. That's one suicide every waking hour. Yeah, and you know what? Um, the latest statistics, depending on where you read, is the highest 22 a day. And so this is... Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you asked a second ago about reasons. You know, another is depression. Um, you know, also, too, military people are very structured, so they can always seem to have um, uh, a structure to things, and sometimes they'll even, you know, act out a suicide plan. And so, um, you know, this is a culture that is fostered by the inherent way the military culture has to be. You know, we have to be structured in the military. We have to be demanding in the military. Nobody's going to question that. But sometimes the effects can be can go in the wrong direction. And a lot of times veterans are less likely to seek help from, you know, any kind of mental health professionals um, or even non-mental health physicians, um, you know, in some sense. Uh, you know, they're key uh, to screen for PTSD or depression because sometimes it's not always, um, they're not always going to go to get help. So non-mental health physicians, we hope that they'll look for these things uh, because, you know, it's a big problem. There's, I think, uh, Taylor, there's what, about 7,500 um, uh, military personnel die or former military personnel die by suicide every year. And so um, this is, again, something that we have to address, especially in the Army. For some reason, and I don't know this answer, the Army seems to be much higher than the other branches. But needless to say, all branches need to continue to, to provide services for this type, of, um, this type of issue. Now, you mentioned depression and PTSD. We're all mm -hmm. more, more or less familiar with those. But is it just psychological? Uh, you know, we, we've heard more and more in recent years about the phenomenon of moral injury 
which is not uh, yeah. uh, not recognized yeah. as a mental condition. But uh, and you know, for the benefit of our listener, if you don't know what moral injury, simply something you did that you have extreme remorse for, right? Uh, yeah. For example, um, not long ago, I was in, uh, took a pilgrimage to Lourdes and encountered a chaplain there who had who had uh, counseled a, a veteran uh, who was uh, suffering tremendous guilt and moral injury uh, from an incident that took place in Iraq. He'd, yeah. he'd shot an enemy combatant, and that combatant turned out to be a kid. Yeah, wow. And, and you know, I'll use my own example. Uh, my nephew um, served uh, uh, multiple tours in Afghanistan, and he was there some, during some of the heaviest fighting. And he came back to the United States. He suffered um, severe suicide ideation. Um, he had a very tough time reintegrating. And when we finally got to the bottom of it, it was that moral injury. What happened in his Humvee, uh, he was driving in, in, uh, along with several other soldiers, and the Humvee before them, right in front of them, um, hit a landmine and um, was hit, I believe, um, uh, three of the four soldiers in the vehicle were killed, witnessed right personally by my nephew. And when my nephew finally opened up and they were able to try to work with him, he revealed, why did they die and not me? So my nephew, um, when they finally got to really understand what was happening in his mindset and in his psyche, it, it, he revealed why, and these were all of his friends that were in his unit, and he revealed why are they the ones who died and not me? Why am I allowed to live and not them? And it, it, it really woke me up to this whole moral injury, um, you know, questioning uh, the God factor here, you know, questioning, uh, seeing killing, um, you know, some all the way from one extreme to the other. Some seeing so much killing, they become desensitized. Others that's so shocked by what they see, the uh, opposite being desensitized, they become um, scarred. And my nephew saw this um, loss of three of his close friends that were killed at one instant. Um, wow, that's going to affect many, you know, that's going to affect anybody. Right. And so these are factors that, you know, we have to come into the whole, you know, the person is not just a body, uh, the human person is body and soul. And so um, we know that with that comes a much deeper uh, understanding in the last couple of decades than what we had even just a few years back, so, or uh, a few few decades ago. So, these are the types of things that's interesting you bring up moral injury because I experienced that with my own nephew, as I said, and, and what, a, you know, what a trying time that is for him, uh, trying to reintegrate back into society after having witnessed such a trying event. I hope he's made that transition. Is your nephew okay? Do, doing better. Um, he moved. Uh, he was just a change of uh, pace and, or setting from where he grew up. Uh, he's now down in Missouri. Um, he actually went through Fort Leonard Wood um, when he was down there in the Army and uh, came back to Michigan. Now he's back, um, you know, and so he is doing better, praise be, and, and we're, we're continuing to keep him in prayer. That's good to hear. And I should point out that um, moral injury doesn't 
necessarily have to be something you did. It can be something right. you saw or something you experienced. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'm talking to Father Chris Alar, Provincial Superior, Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of Mercy Province of the Congregation of Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. And Father Alar, author of the book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and for You. Let's uh, pursue that theme a little bit, Father Alar. You said uh, you became interested in this subject after your grandmother took her own life. What is, what is the church teaching on suicide, and where is the hope? Yeah, and that's the reason I really wrote the book is because I and many other Catholics had grown up that always we had been taught that if somebody takes their own life, they are going to be a lost soul. They're, they're going to be a damned soul. And we had never experienced a suicide in our family prior to my grandmother on Father's Day of 1993. She took her own life, and it becomes it became so traumatic. We our response was we never talked about it um, because we, as a family, we bore the burden that she's in hell. That's because this is what we had always thought was Catholic Church teaching. What we find out is that that's not Catholic Church teaching. Actually, um, the Catholic Church has been right in our own catechism, very clear in establishing. Um, mitigating factors. In fact, I can quote the two passages I've memorized, both relate to suicide, and that is in the Catechism. The first is number 2282, and it says, again, committing this to memory, grave psychological disturbances, anguish, grave fear of hardship, suffering, or torture can diminish the responsibility of one, the one committing suicide. And we don't always use the term now committing suicide, but that's used in the catechism. Basically, Taylor, that is just saying there's circumstances that may reduce the responsibility because the person doesn't have complete free will. If you're in a military setting and you're struggling with complete PTSD and it doesn't even have to be um, uh, something you've had your whole life. It could be something that you've recently experienced. These grave psychological disturbances, it doesn't even have to be mental illness, um, they can affect your judgment, and so does depression. Um, you know, depression, every study tells people end up doing things and making choices when depressed that they never would ordinarily do. And so... The Catechism addresses this because, remember, for a sin to be mortal, one of the factors is free will. And when somebody's under this kind of psychological issues, there may not be complete free will. But probably, perhaps, the the Catechism passage that changed my life the most was uh, learning this passage, the very next one, 2283, because as I grew up, I was told the reason suicide is a lost soul or damned is because there's no time to repent. My grandmother, um, I don't mean to be graphic here, but she used a handgun. Um, she took her life with a handgun. And the answer to me in my mind was, well, gee, there was no time to repent. She pulled the trigger and unfortunately was instantly deceased. But we can't forget that for God, 
a millisecond is like a million years, and a million years are like a millisecond. And so we know that God can come to a soul even in that time that it takes a bullet to travel three inches, which is milliseconds for us, but yet millions of years for God. There's no time for God. There's no uh, past for God. There's no future for God. God sees everything instantaneously. So here's the passage that changed my life. And this one also committed to memory. It says in the Catechism, we should not despair of the eternal salvation of persons who have taken their own lives. By ways known to him alone, God can provide the opportunity for salutary repentance. The Church prays for persons who have taken their own lives. Basically what that means is in the infinite mercy of God, we, the Church teaches that He can somehow give them the chance to still repent, to still, even though it seems instantaneous to us, He can give those persons a chance to repent. Now, this doesn't mean that suicide is the answer, or, oh, okay, now I've heard that, I'm going to end this suffering, because God will give me another chance. No, we don't want to view it that way either. You know, suicide is a permanent response to temporary problems. Temporary not meaning they're insignificant. Temporary just meaning this life is temporal. Um, you know, eternal life is, is after death is eternal. But that changed my life because it, what it told me is that there is hope that these souls are not lost. They can still be saved. What a big difference that meant for me with my grandmother. Wow. Let me ask you this, and um, you know we talked about depression, moral injury. Uh, uh, how do you know what what are the signs someone is contemplating suicide? Yeah, and, and in fact, this is um, one of the things that uh, again we'll go back to the common misperceptions or misconceptions. Just like um, a soul is automatically lost, there's another common misconception that don't talk about it, because then you might get them thinking about it, and therefore they might do it. Every single expert I consulted in writing my book, Dr. Molly Marty, um, um, Melinda Moore, uh, these are Ph.D. Uh, experts in this field, stressed you need to talk about it, um, because the signs are, are the classic signs, being withdrawn, um, you know, disengaging as we use in a, or as used in a military term. Um, these signs uh, of a change in behavior, uh, eating habits, sleeping, um, they may not be something that you want to bring up or talk about. But these experts are all telling us all the studies over the most recent years have stressed the point that you want to talk to people about this, even in a non pushy way, just, you know, hey, you doing okay? Uh, I'm just, you know, worried for you. And and don't be afraid to actually bring it up, because if a person finds out that you care about them, they're not going to be offended. And by by breaching the subject, all you're saying is, you know what, I could be completely wrong. I, I may be misreading this, but I'm just a little bit worried. Are you, you're not thinking about hurting yourself, are you? And You'd be amazed in my 
ministry, when I started directly asking that question, how many people ended up saying, actually, I have thought about it. That all of a sudden is a whole new um, avenue to be able to help this person. Because if we if we neglect the question, if we are afraid to address it, it goes and continues to be internalized by the individual, and sometimes then you get the shocking phone call, you know, you get the shocking news, and 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 you're and you're thinking to yourself, gee, I should have seen that, I should have talked to them about it. Well, now it's too late. So we 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 have to always let people know not to be afraid to discuss you know, these types of things. And, and you know, and, 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 and this is the reason why we see numbers of suicides like we did. In fact, you know, not to go back to statistics, but I think they're, they're, they're very enlightening. Do you know in the world, every year, more people die by suicide than all the wars or homicides combined? And, you know, my dad being a Vietnam vet, um, I learned in the writing of my book that there are now more Vietnam veterans that have died by suicide than died in the Vietnam War. Wow. And so that is shocking to me. And again, you know, most of these suicides are associated with some form of depression, you know, the emotional, physical pain. And so if we see somebody um, experiencing that, please reach out to them. Uh, because you know, only half of Americans experience major de- experiencing major depression actually receive treatment. And so when we receive this treatment, it's not just psychological. It's You should try to seek it from a spiritual, too. This is why the Church can be very helpful, um, you know, that we, um, that we reach out, because, you know, it's not just about uh, medicine, psychology, and social support. Those are great. Those are important. But we also need to address the spiritual part of the person. And, how, and um, Father, you know, so, Father Alar, how do you address the spiritual uh, needs of a person suffering from a condition such as moral injury? Oh, yeah. As Christians, we need to encounter them. Uh, we need to understand them. We need to bear their burdens with them. You know, in a military term, in the foxhole. You know, I'm in the foxhole with you. You know, um, my uncle, who uh, was the third man over the Remagen Bridge, my great uncle, actually, is my father's uncle, uh, said that the, what got him through the war was looking next to the guy next to him in the foxhole. And, and, and he would look at the guy next to him in the foxhole, we're in this together. And so the key that we have to do is let them know we're with you. We, 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 we're, we're bearing your burden together. We're in this foxhole together, and we're going to get out of this. And when somebody sees that there's somebody with me in the battle, you're much more likely to come out. Um, It's when you feel alone. So it's imperative that the spiritual needs be brought into the equation, and so few do this. And and this is Church teaching, um, you know, not only, um, you know, from what we have to do that's morally right and wrong, but also support uh, emotionally, our brothers and sisters, um, you know, and this is very, very important to address not just the physical and emotional, but the spiritual, because that makes up the human person. I'm talking to Father Chris Alar, joining us by phone from Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Father Alar, the Provincial Superior of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of Mercy Province of 
the Congregation of Mary and Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and author of the best-selling book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and for You. Father Alar, you uh, came to your vocation somewhat late, right? Yes. I was an engineer um, by degree. I got my MBA from Michigan, um, worked at... uh, in the Detroit auto industry for uh, several years and then started a business in North Carolina. And I love North Carolina because that's where my dad was down at New River in the Marine Corps. And, um, you know, down there, some, some just beautiful military presence there in the state. Um, started my own business, but uh, gauged to be married. But um, God kept knocking, and finally, uh, I finally came kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now! I look, I look back. It was the best thing I ever did. <laughs> I hear you. Now, what was the role of your the memory of your grandmother's suicide in your vocation discernment? You know, it it was integral because um, prior to the suicide, I was a I was a, a lazy Catholic at best. I was, um, you know, a occasional attender of mass um, and nothing of any significance in practicing my faith. And then when, um, after my grandma took her life, things, the perspective in my life kind of changed. Uh, what happens after death? Is she saved? Is she lost? What happens to the soul? What is the human soul? Um, what is eternal life? Who is God? These questions all started coming to mind. And I think that's one of the problems that we have in our society today, is we've lost um, that tie with the supernatural, um, meaning, you know, God and and and. and and what he, the grace that we need to get through life. And so when I started to realize that, I started going back to church. And then um, in North Carolina, um, uh, in fact, um, I, I started visiting this one priest, started praying with him, and it was in the, in the confessional that I confessed my guilt of not really praying for my grandmother 10 years earlier, who had died by suicide. And now it was too late. You know, she was lost church teaches she's in hell, and boy, what a wake-up call. He clarified for me that's not church teaching, as we just talked about a minute ago. He also clarified for me that I could go home tonight, and this was 10 years after my grandmother died, and he said, go home and pray for her salvation. I'm like, wait a minute, Father, she died 10 years ago. She's, she's already been judged. And he said, no, God's outside of time. We can help our loved ones, even who have died 10 years earlier, you can help them, your prayers. And so I can see, like, my nephew, who was despairing of the loss of his friends, like, I can't do anything to help them. Yes, we can. And that is why the book is titled, There's Hope for Them and for You, meaning those left behind. So the hope for them means they can be saved, even those who have taken their own life. The hope for you left behind is that I can be encouraged by the fact that my loved one can have salvation, and that makes me be able to to, 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 to live a stronger life with, with hope. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, um, you know, one of the biggest suicide indicators is somebody who's experienced a suicide. And so uh, having experienced a suicide... Um, was putting pressure on me. And then once I found out about these spiritual principles, you know, recognizing, it's like, a, it's like um, AA, um, you know, you have to first recognize you're powerless. 
uh, that's the first step. That's the first spiritual uh, um, uh, principle. I, I can't bring that person back, but I can still help them. I can still pray for them. I can still get through another day. You know, one one common expression that I, I picked up, uh, Taylor, was um, after a suicide. You know, we can never get over it if we're if we're um, if we've experienced the loss of a loved one, but we can get through it. And um, that impacted me because, one, I have to acknowledge that I can't change it. That's like the first principle. The second principle is I entrust, um, um, you know, myself. I trust, or should say, I trust that God, um, that God can, can take me and, 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 and help me and get me through this, that, that God can make a difference in my life. And then third, I entrust myself to him and make my life um, dedicated to serving and doing the things the right way, that I don't live in regret and guilt and remorse, but I live in hope that I can still make a positive impact. And that gives people, remember, hope gives people a reason to live. And that's what I think we're missing. I've been talking to Father Chris Alar, uh, author of the book After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and for You the book available on Amazon. Father Alar, also the Provincial Superior of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of Mercy Province of the Congregation of Mary and Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, MIC for short. Father Alar, thank you so much for your insights. Oh, thank you, and God bless you and all of our men and women who are serving our nation and our country all over the world. Uh, Blessings upon you, and thank you uh, for the rest of us back here in the civilian life. Catholic Military Life is a podcast of the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, erected by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985 to provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith in the U.S. military, VA medical centers, and the government's civilian workforce beyond U.S. borders. 1.8 million American Catholics worldwide depend on the Archdiocese and its endorsed chaplains for pastoral care. For more information, visit millarch.org. The Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, serving those who serve.